Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, has their fast, free shipping, free road has protection, convenient installation options, and their selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products as well? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, just go to TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. 56% of job seekers say their biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications, according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be a lonely process, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding a job that fits. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location near you at ExpressPros.com. With no fees for job seekers, visit ExpressPros.com. Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from three to 6 PM. Eastern time. That's 12 to three Pacific on Fox sports radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb show at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels, home of the Chargers at 5-2. and two. Did I see a football game where a team missed field goals, dropped passes, and found a way to lose, and it wasn't the Chargers? I saw that yesterday, right? Yeah, that was weird. Uh, did, I, did I see Justin Tucker missed an extra point? I, I saw that. That was, that was, that was weird. And, um... If you if you were in a coma a couple years ago and you woke up and you said, hey, you know who's the most dynamic offensive team in the league, the the Rams? You'd be like, get the freak out of here. And nope. That's exactly what's taking place. Uh, Kansas City looked dominant last night as 
primetime Andy Dalton was every bit as bad as primetime Andy Dalton has ever uh, been thought to be. Gosh, we got a lot to get to. If you like baseball, if you don't like baseball, I'm going to put this out there on Twitter. The Chris Taylor catch against the Brewers might be the best catch and the biggest catch I've seen in baseball in a long, long time. Like, I got to go back and look at that Willie Mays catch and try and get a sense of which catch was actually bigger. But we got a World Series between the Doyers and the Red Sox starting at Fenway. If there is a sports god, because I don't believe that God cares about sports. Please don't give thanks in my mind. Uh, you didn't win because of God. Not like God's like, yeah, I want this guy. No, you, uh-uh. But if there's a sports God or if God has a little sports, I just, game seven would be on Halloween night at Fenway Park. Tell me there's something better than game seven, Fenway Park. Okay, I'll top it, Halloween night. Maybe Kershaw trying to close things out. Walker Bueller getting the start. Gets Craig Kimbrell, who he was tipping pitches. That's why he's uh, that's why he's been getting jacked so much. All right, let's let's get to what I think is the story of the day. There are a lot of people talking about the conservative actions of Jason Garrett. There are people talking about the really strange penalty against the Dallas Cowboys, where the Redskins jumped, but they were allegedly drawn off size by a center moving the long snapper, moving the football. If you know anything about the NFL or even college football, you know, there's a gray area there. There's the uncalled. You never move it because the long snapper gets a chance to kind of regrip and reload the football so that the snap is perfect. It happens on every team. And for some bizarre reason, bizarre reason, the Cowboys got called for it. And then they miss a, a field goal. Here's Jason Garrett first on his kicker. Okay. Uh, sorry. I thought we had Jason Garrett and his kicker. So, look, I don't care what anybody says. I care what people do. I care what people do. This goes back to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They didn't believe in Blake Bortles last year in the AFC Championship game, no matter how much they said they believed in Blake Bortles, because they got the ball back with a lead 59 seconds to go, plenty of time to get down in at least field goal range against a very malleable defense in the New England Patriots, and they chose to take a knee. It's not what you say, it's what you do. You were told that since you were a kid. I'm sure you've been told that by your significant other. It's actions, not words, right? Actions, not words. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. And for the Dallas Cowboys, how many more times do we need to see Jason Garrett go the conservative route until we understand that he just doesn't think he has one of those quarterbacks that can figure it out and can make it happen? That the risk is far too great than the reward. Whether it's taking a sack or not being accurate or losing the football or just making the wrong decision and appearing lost, Dak Prescott, though he did make an incredible run to score a touchdown on the previous drive for the Dallas Cowboys, getting conservative and settling for a field goal, much like getting conservative and playing to your defense in Houston the week before or two weeks before, it tells you in actions, not in words, that Jason Garrett, a former quarterback in the National Football League and a guy who's been a head coach in a long time, 
for a long time just thinks, hey, he's fine. He's okay. But you know what? He's not. He's not worthy of my trust in that big of a situation. The Dallas Cowboys can tell you time and again, hey, Dak's our guy. We're building around Dak. And we just got to create a situation scenario for Dak to be successful. But they're showing you, based upon their actions, not their words, that he's good to a point. It doesn't mean they think he stinks. He's not punt on third down and play to your defense, you know, water boy type of offense. But it just shows you in key situations when it's a 50-50 call, do you go for it in overtime? Do you go for it when you get the ball and a chance to maybe score a touchdown and win the game or play for a makeable field goal? Jason Garrett, some by nature of his experience in the business, but a good portion of it has to be, has to be based upon his faith or lack thereof in Dak Prescott. And nothing Dak Prescott's done has really built any faith. There's No one can sit there and go, oh, no, no, golly, you don't know. He's, he's, a, he's got laser-like precision. Like, no, he doesn't. And so the Cowboys have other, I'm not saying he's their only issue. Right? They have other issues. You know, it started with Travis Frederick coming down with this, you know, bizarre autoimmune disease. Their need to shed Des Bryant and then the sudden loss of Jason Witten, who has just crushed it in the Monday Night Football booth. So they're left without the weaponry that a guy or any guy really needs. Like all of those are legitimate issues. But when you're not willing to give it to your quarterback to figure it out, time in, time out. Coming off of what was one of his best performances as a pro in a 40-7 to win the week before, tells you all you need to know. Don't tell me you love me, show me you love me. Don't tell me you change, show me you change. Don't tell me, oh, we Dak Prescott's awesome, he's going to be here forever, he's a franchise quarterback. Look, Jerry Jones knew two years ago. Actually, he knew three years ago. He knew, he knew that Tony Romo was the better option. Go back and look. Jerry Jones wanted to play Tony Romo. Everybody's like, well, you know, you can't mess with a hot streak. And, you know, he's just been good. And Romo's been banged up. And my argument then is my argument now. Tony Romo's a better quarterback. Everyone knew Tony Romo's a better quarterback. Everyone. Now, whether or not Tony Romo would be healthy or Tony Romo made too much money, all of these are legit issues. But to win one game in the playoffs, Tony Romo was better. Even go back and look when Tony Romo played in week 17 of that season. And you're like, wow, he made way more plays because he's just better at throwing a football with far more precision. Des Bryant was better. Jason Witten was better. The Dallas Cowboys were better offensively because he's better. And since then, since then, what's happened? What's happened? When it was thrust all on his shoulders last year, he couldn't carry the team. And even this year, in key situations, week after week, when it gets tight, Jason Garrett's like, yeah, we're okay. We're okay. And oh, yeah, by the way, this whole Twitter sphere, I like Twitter. I, I, I lo- uh, you, you'll see me tweet out things uh, like my winner last night about how glorious it's going to be when the Kansas City Chiefs lose at home in the playoffs. Look, this is a fun team. They're dominating fools. 
but it's the Kansas City Chiefs. No matter how great a place Arrowhead seems to be, they always seem to lose. Last five times, they lost at home in the playoffs. It just feels like we know how this movie ends. We just don't know how it comes, how it, how we get to that point. We get some breaking news. Oh, let's get some uh, breaking news from Dan Byer. Breaking news from Fox Sports. Well, Doug, the Dallas Cowboys are in the news. Amari Cooper going to be traded by the Raiders to Dallas, according to reports from ESPN. Justina Anderson, the first to have it. Adam Schefter's got it as well. And Jason Lockenforest is a deal will be done as well. Of course, Jason, our friend here from CBS Sports. But Amari Cooper going to be traded by the Raiders to the Dallas Cowboys. The compensation in return at this point is not known. Was he a first-round pick, right? What's that? Well, they wanted a first-round pick. Yes, they wanted a first-round yeah. pick. Whether they got it or not, who knows? Yeah, and, and remember, here's the Amari Cooper thing, okay? So drafted by the previous regime, disappointing year last year, only making 700 um, in terms of base, but he does make a bunch in bonuses. Next year, because they picked up his fifth-year option, he makes like $13 million next year. So uh, the the Raiders are – here's what the Raiders are doing. They're not Chapter 11. They're Chapter 7. They're reorganizing. They're reorganizing. And it's really, really smart. This is what you. This is what companies do when a guy walks into his company. He's like, "Man, this thing is a mess." Right? They spend the first six months trying to figure out who's worth keeping and who's worth getting. Then they figure out who makes the most money, and they get rid of all those people that they don't think are worth what they're being paid, and they completely reorganize. Look at Fortune 500 company after Fortune 500 company. You got to change and you got to evolve in the business world, and that's what the Raiders are doing. Didn't say you had to like it. Didn't say you had to think that Gruden is going to make the right picks. He didn't draft well. He took a lot of chances last year, but the Raiders haven't really been good since he left. And I think he's looked and knows that and knows that he's got a long-term contract and he wants to be sustainable for the long-term, which is, by the way, what most businesses do. Let's not try and make a little bit of money this year or a lot of money this year. Let's try and make money and continue to grow year after year after year after year. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. TV was there. Everyone was there watching. They thumped. They didn't beat. They thumped Ohio State this past weekend. And after dominating then number two Ohio State, which Brahms kind of to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, how are you? Very good. Good afternoon. Um, okay, so heading into the game, what were your thoughts on what would it take for your Boilers to be successful? Well, that's a good question. I, I felt that, uh, you know what, we started off bad, uh, did some things that uh, were not working and a lot of problems that we need to fix, but I thought we had been making some strides and uh, showcasing it on the field. And, uh, you know, this is one of those games where I thought we actually – I had a chance to win if we did everything right, if we made plays, if we were aggressive, if they had an off day. All those things had to calculate into it. And, uh, you know, I told our team the night before the game, hey, you know, I've been here a year and a half with you. And, and even last year when we had a productive year, I don't think we were ready for this game. Uh, up until this week, I don't think we were ready. But I do think we're ready for this game. I think you guys have put in the work. Uh, and I think we can have a chance to win this game if we do everything right play as hard as we can, give great effort for 60 minutes. And fortunately for us, we were aggressive. Uh, we made some plays. They uh, didn't probably make as many as they wanted, and we gained some momentum, and uh, things just uh, 
all calculated and added up, and it helped us uh, come out with a big, big win. One of the things that you've changed is the quarterback position. Um, uh, how, how hard is that as a as a former quarterback yourself? Like I, I always think as a point guard, like you don't want to be pulling guys because you know you have to have leadership in the locker room, and the only way to have true leadership is if if the guys in the locker room know you have the quarterbacks back. What's this process of finding the right guy to lead your offense been like for you? Well, I think we've uh, found the right guy, and uh, David Blau's done a tremendous job. You know, being a former player and a coach, uh, I think I kind of get it a little bit that you got to have great players, but you got to have great coaching. And I don't think I, I had been doing a great job of putting David in the best position to succeed, especially the first three weeks of the season. Uh, and it really wasn't until you know, we played Missouri, and I said, you know what, we're going to we're going to air this thing out. We're going to take some chances. I'm going to ask you to throw it vertically. I'm going to ask you to take shots and. We need to hit some. If we don't, you got to check it down. That throw picks interceptions for me. And he rose up to the occasion and got it done. And we threw for a record-breaking amount of yards. And even though we lost the game, uh, we kind of took off from there. And uh, he's played exceptional. But I think it's because I've given him more opportunities to make plays. I've been much more aggressive in my play calling. Uh, and he's responded. So he's been a great leader just because he's uh, been that way, whether he was a starter or not. And he had an opportunity to leave this year as a fifth-year senior transfer, not knowing if he was going to start, and he stayed. So it showed his uh, pride that he has in this school, and I think the team understands that he's here to win, regardless of whether it's him or not, that he's definitely stepped forward and been lights out lately. 49-20 was the final score. Purdue takes down Ohio State. It was an absolute no-doubter. Uh, and their head coach, Jeff Brom, kind of to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. When did you become aware of Tyler Trent, the cancer patient who's become such a nationally inspirational story? Well, it is a great story. Really, uh, about midway through the year last year, uh, before the Michigan game, as I was walking from my office down to, uh, I think, the training table meal, uh, he was camping out the night before to to get in the game first and met him there. And uh, we talked. I really didn't know his whole situation, but he just uh, had a great energy about him, a great smile. He a lot of pride in the program. And and then we just kind of got to know each other a little bit. Uh, he came to our bowl game. I realized his story from someone else. He was able to overcome it. He went to a lot of basketball games, went to their tournaments, uh, saw him a little bit, was very involved on campus. And then this thing kind of came back on him very rapidly and fast, and I didn't really know how bad it was. And uh, we tried to just support him from afar. <clears throat> but it wasn't until, I think, the Nebraska game, uh, where I realized and heard that things had taken a turn for the worse. We found a way to go there and win at Nebraska. Uh, it was a big win for us, for our program. Uh, and even after that, on the plane ride home, I saw some pictures uh, and heard some even things that were a little more alarming that it, it didn't look great. So we decided to, uh, I decided to have our, our team captains take the game ball to them. Uh, and really from there, it took off. Uh, they went down there, had a, a great time with them as far as being around them giving him hope, uh, letting him know he's our team captain. They prayed together. Uh, and then from there, I went down and saw him a few days later, and then it kind of just took off from there. And, uh, you know, I think the, the spirit that he's shown and the fact that now not only the Purdue football team and our program and our university, but now people across the country know his, his story, has been an uh, inspiration to him as well. And I think it's, he's gained strength from it, and uh, I think hopefully it'll help him keep on longer i know he was at our game believe it or not and he looked actually great uh for a guy in his condition a tremendous smile 
uh, in great spirits, and we are, we're hopeful for the best. Yeah. What, what's what's that like, though? You know, when you're a head coach in college, and, of course, you've been an assistant coach all over after a stellar playing career, and I, I think the college experience is a lot different than how some of my cohorts in the media like to like to, like to say that it is, right? You, you learn so much more about people from different cultures, but also a story like this, which I think gives those kids such perspective, right, that they didn't you don't have when you're a player. All you're thinking about is winning the game and going out and having a good time. And maybe, you know, a lot of them are thinking about the chances to play beyond college. What's it like for this story to provide perspective for everyone involved? Well, you're exactly right. And uh, the great thing about Purdue is, uh, you know, we're not a, uh, a football program in the limelight right now uh, before this game. Uh, I think we have a bunch of guys that <laughs> – do things for the right reason uh you know we try to make the game fun and uh for our players to play in and for fans to watch uh, uh this is a tremendous university where a lot of people have accomplished a lot and to find a guy like this uh who's given us inspiration and for us to kind of take him in uh and for him to respond in the way he has you know while it's important to win football games we all try to give him more hope and uh through our love and and uh support of him is really something that means a lot. And I know when our players went down to visit him at his house, when they came back, they, they said it meant more to them than it even did to him. And they got a lot out of it. And all those things matter. It gives you uh, an understanding that there are a lot of, uh, you know, why you want to win a game, uh, a person's life and how he lives it uh, means even more. How do you get your team back up to that magic level after the emotion of Tyler being in the locker room, but the emotion of being Ohio State, all the attaboys, now you go to Michigan State, and they just got stomped by Michigan. But that's a really well-coached program with a ton of pride and history. How do you get your team back up to that magic level? Well, it is going to be a challenge. You know, the thing we got going for us is two things. One, while we beat Ohio State uh, the way we did, uh, it wasn't uh, but a few weeks earlier we lost to Eastern Michigan at home. So, you know, this team understands that if we don't come ready to play, we can lose to anybody, especially a good team in the Big Ten. Secondly, I think our guys uh, watched last year where Iowa – uh, beat Ohio State very handily at home. And two weeks later, at their home field, a team called Purdue came in at 4-6 and six and found a way to beat them. So on any given day, anything can happen. Hopefully our players understand that. Yes, it will be a challenge to make sure we understand it. But this is a good football team. You know, we've got to come ready to play every game and play well in order to win. And, and for us, Michigan State will be a huge test. You, you know that these, these questions are coming, so I don't think it's unfair to ask. But I, I guess the, the way in which I would ask it is, what is the ceiling at Purdue, right? Like, Joe Tiller had it rolling, but, you know, he also had it rolling when he had, you know, pros at quarterback, and the league was still kind of run-oriented, hadn't yet evolved. Obviously, you know, your offense is dynamic, but the thought is, you know, whether it was Tennessee calling last year or other schools calling this year, the, the question becomes, like, you know, Purdue seems to have a ceiling that's lower than Ohio State and, and Penn State and Michigan and maybe 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 Nebraska or Wisconsin ultimately. What's your feelings about the, the, the legitimate ceiling at Purdue? Well, I get it. You know, the, the great thing, I think, uh, one of the reasons I came to Purdue when I was at the last place uh, and uh, this opportunity came about, you know, basically 90% of the people I asked about taking the job said, no, you don't need to take this. You need to wait for something something better and bigger. And the more I thought about it is, uh, you know, in my opinion, I like the challenge of Purdue. I like the fact that we have a ton of room to improve. I like the fact that we do have a lot of room to grow. And I like the fact that a lot of people don't think it can happen here. So that's something that I think uh, drives me every day when I come into work. Uh, the people here have been great to me. They've been very supportive. We've made strides. 
like you said, we have added lights. That's a plus. Uh, we've got a brand-new facility. Uh, we've had great fan support. And it can happen. And uh, while it won't happen overnight, I do think the challenge of getting this program up in the mix in the Big Ten and making strides and getting better each and every year and getting better recruits and getting better um, – uh, you know, on the football field is a challenge that I'm looking forward to. And, and uh, you know, to me, the sky's the limit, and we've just got to make it happen. And will it happen overnight? No, but I do think we can make strides and be a competitor. Yeah, Blau was, was great, but so was DJ Knox and Rondell Moore. I mean, a lot to be, lot to be proud of. Well, listen, Coach, I, I know there's a ton of work in getting guys back, especially with Michigan State calling. We appreciate you joining us. Congratulations on turning this thing around. As you point, I mean, people have, have, have followed it 0 3 to start. People are like, wow, that's kind of disappointing. But you turn this thing around, and I got a chance to get to the Big Ten, legit chance to get the Big Ten championship game. We'll let you get back to work, and we appreciate your time. Okay, thanks for having me. All right, it's Jeff Brom, who's the head coach at Purdue. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Couldn't be a better guy to have on right now than Michael Lombardi. Literally. Worked with Gruden. Worked, last time the Raiders were good. He was there. Simple, right? Uh, Michael Lombardi is a former general manager of the National Football League. His new book, Gridiron Genius, a masterclass in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. It's on sale now. Michael, thanks so much for for taking time and joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, I likened it to corporate restructuring, like Chapter 7. You know, get rid of all the entitlements. Um, ch- the Chapter 11 is rearranging? Did I get it? A- yeah. Did I screw yeah, it up? Chapter, yeah, it's filed for Chapter 11 is what I think it is. Yeah, although I'm not a businessman. Man, I screwed the whole thing up, the whole analogy. Well, let me start again. Hey, welcome in. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Michael, I'd like to like it thinking it's like Chapter 11, right? Okay. Chapter 11, where you corporate restructuring, get rid of entitlements, start fresh, understand what you want for the future, and have a long and kind of sustainable business plan. Is that what they're doing? I think so. I mean, you know, I think they made that decision with Mac. They weren't going to pay the money, and... You know, I was always concerned because I know John values receivers so highly that perhaps he was going to cave in and give in to the demands of Cooper. And I think once he got more familiar with Cooper, I think that he decided it was, you know, to get a first-round pick for a guy. No one else in the league was offering that. The Cowboys did. I, I, you know, you're a basketball guy. If I were Dallas, I would have lottery protected that pick because I'd be concerned about the Cowboys not having the greatest year and that pick being a high one. Yeah, uh, uh, what about the Cowboys? Does this does this show desperation? Uh, I, I know I know how they're going to paint it. They're going to say, "Hey, look, first round pick. We would have taken a wide receiver anyway, and this guy's better than anybody who's who's out there." But he's going to make you know unless until his deal is restructured, thirteen million dollars next year, which is far more than they'd have to pay for a rookie. You do get him this year, like you know four hundred thousand dollars prorated. Uh, how much does that change and help uh, Dak Prescott's struggling passing game? Well, look, they definitely need help on the outside. I mean, Gallup is playing well. I think he, you know, he's a kid that has showed that he's got some ability, but I think they definitely, Alan Hearns hasn't really come through for them like they thought, probably coming off the injury, you know, so he hasn't quite gotten there yet. I don't know if Amari Cooper's a number one receiver. That's the question you have to ask yourself. You know, you're going to pay $13 million. You hope you're getting a number one. I mean, the Chiefs paid $16 million for Sammy Watkins, and he's not a number one receiver. I think they did that knowingly. It's going to cost them when Tyreek... Hill's contract has to come up, and you've got to pay him as 
well. So, you know, Sammy won't be there. I, you know, look, I think the Cowboys are desperate. Their offense struggles. I don't think it's just about players. I think it's about scheme. And then I think it's about clock management. I mean, yesterday in Dow, against Dallas, I mean, against the Redskins, they've got the ball, you know, with a minute two to go, one time out, and all they need is a field goal to win the game. And, you know, they take uh, three plays. They're on the Dallas 46-yard line, on the, on the Redskins 46-yard line. And the next thing you know, uh, they only run two more plays before they have to kick the field goal. Yeah, I, I, I that one though strikes me a little bit as, hey, we don't want to put too much on Dak because we don't, we still don't trust him. Is that is that fair? I think that's really, you know, I mean, how can't you trust a guy that's played as well as he has? I think he takes too much heat for not playing well. I think there's a scheme issue there. I definitely think the offensive line isn't playing to the level that everybody thinks it could. Frederick being out obviously hurts them. Connor Williams, the left guard, has not played. You know, eventually he's going to be a good player, but he got called for a bad holding call right before the turnover. Always before turnovers, there's always a play that happens that ends up resulting in the turnover. It's never the turnover that's the worst play. It's always the play before, and I think that was clear indication, and Williams struggled to do that. Look, I think the Cowboys have struggled to be creative offensively. Last week against Jacksonville, you know, Dak Prescott was running a little bit more of the Mississippi State style of offense. I think that's what he needs to do. But this front for Washington's big. They're physical. They're hard to move around. You've got to beat them in the passing game. I'm just not sure the Cowboys have the design or the scheme to do that. Uh, let's go to Jacksonville, where today Duck Marone announced that Blake Borles will, in fact, start this weekend in London. They restructured his contract at the end of last year, so... They're on the hook to like $19 million next year. What do you do if you're running the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, they've been living a lie. I mean, they've been living it for a long time. If I was running the Jacksonville Jaguars, we probably uh, Deshaun Watson would have been on the team because there's no way I would have drafted the running back, Leonard Fournette, and passed up the quarterback. Now, I would have looked silly, perhaps, because Mahomes is obviously a great player, but that's what I would have done. And I just don't understand Tom Coughlin's keep insisting on thinking that Blake Bortles. I get David Caldwell, the, the general manager. He drafted Bortles. He's, he's, entitled, he's living what I call the endowment effect. He can't get off of it because he drafted him. So he's just going to keep perpetuating the myth. I mean, when you give this guy $54 million and you put him back in your locker room, what you're saying to your locker room is he's your guy. And everyone in that locker room knows that's not true. Everyone in the locker room knows he's not worth $54 million. Everyone knows he can't win the game for him. Everyone knows they're managing the team around them. And when that happens, that's why they had chaos in their locker room yesterday. This is a mess that's, that, that Jacksonville's front office has created because they won't be honest with themselves and say, we need a quarterback. And really, what choice did Doug Marone have? Is he going to pay Cody Kessler? You watched Cody Kessler play at USC. Hugh Jackson said, trust him on this. He knows quarterbacks. Really? Okay, great, Hugh. Third-round pick, Cody Kessler. Most teams had him as a free agent. Hugh drafted him in the third round. There's where that went. They cut. They traded him to Jacksonville. You're not going to start Cody Kessler in a game. You've got no choice. So whenever you want to live a lie, you're backup. You make sure you don't have a backup behind him that could actually take his job because you don't want competition. You want the guy to be a player. Uh, what about the Browns? Hugh says, now I'm going to, I'm going to take more command of the <laughs> offense. How does that work out? What's Hugh do Monday through Saturday? I mean, seriously, what does Hugh do Monday through Saturday? I like to know his daily agenda. Okay, so he's not calling the offensive plays. He doesn't run the defense, and he doesn't run the special teams. What is his day like Monday through Saturday? Like, if you're an offensive coach, don't you walk into the staff meeting and say, Todd, look, we're playing Tampa. I want to go after Brett Grimes. I want to double move him. I want to create some packages for Nick Chubb when he's in deep eye formations. I want to be able to protect our left tackle because he's really struggling. Don't you do that? Isn't that what a head coach should do? Right? One would think. Right, but every, every, every Monday after a loss – Hugh reminds us he's the head coach, but Monday through Saturday, he never acts like one. 
what do you do if you're the Giants? I know t- tonight in Atlanta uh-huh. against a banged-up Atlanta team, but uh, it feels like Eli's close to losing the locker room if he hasn't already. What do you do? If Eli does not play well against one of the worst defenses I've seen on tape all season, then I don't, I don't know what to say. I think what's the best thing for Eli fans are he'll probably play well tonight and everybody will be happy. The back page of the New York papers will say, Eli's back, everything's great, don't worry. And then when he plays against the real defense, we'll start worrying again. Uh, Patrick Peterson says he wants to trade. His coach says they're not trading him. They're terrible right now. They do have some good pieces, but a terrible roster. How does that? Uh, what, what's a value for a guy like Patrick Peterson? Look, if I'm the GM of the Arizona Cardinals, I'm not trading. I'm going to Patrick Peterson and saying, look, you're the solution. You're not the problem. And I would say, look, I messed this up. This is not a very good team. It's on me. i got to fix it, but I need you. I need you on the team. I need David Johnson. I, I need Chandler Jones. I need these guys. You know, I made the mistakes. I let, uh, I let Calais Campbell walk out of here. I've made some bad decisions in who I've drafted and what's going on, and especially with both offensive and defensive lines. Just give me a year to fix it. I need you on the team. That's what I'd be saying. Is Andrew Luck uh, coming into being what he was? Uh, oh, uh, is he getting back to the path he was before he got hurt? You know, Doug, he's led the league in third down passing all season. It's been kind of a mythology that he's not really playing well. He's always been a quarterback who's thrown interceptions. I mean, when I first was in, when I was in, uh, in Cleveland and in, Oak, and in New England, I had a reel of all of Andrew Luck's interceptions that were dropped, and it was fairly extensive. He takes chances with the ball. That's who Andrew Luck is. He's not a ball protector, but he's a playmaker, and he's done that, and I think he's done a good job getting his arm back. I think Frank Wright's done a very good job without a lot of pieces on offense to make this offense move, and I think that's what you're seeing. But they've been very effective on third down. They've controlled the football, had a lot of injuries, and I think they're bouncing back. I mean, that was an easy game against Buffalo because we know this about Buffalo. Buffalo is not capable of winning a game. Buffalo needs the opponent to lose the game. Um, the, the Chargers are one of those teams that tease you and tantalize you. And, and look, I know they don't have Hunter Henry. They won't have him for this year. Maybe maybe they get in playoffs. They haven't had Joey Bosa yet. But, I don't know, yesterday seemed to be a little bit different for the Chargers. They found a way to win a game that normally that they lose. Is it possible they've turned this thing around from being the team that teases you and, and loses games they should win? You know, that was a game I thought the Titans had control of the game the entire game, even though they were down. I thought they were in control of the game. I think Mike Vrabel made a mistake in going for two. He, he acted as a desperate coach. Here's what I didn't understand, Doug. His red zone offense all day was horrible. He was right. two for five in the red zone. And he put the game on the line with your red zone offense. Why would you do that? I don't know. The, the Chargers were on defense for 36 minutes. Keep playing, get the ball in overtime, and the Chargers will let you score. Yeah, exactly. The Chargers were worn out. You have 24 first downs to them. I mean, you're you're playing really good. You gave them the ball back when it was when it was 20 when it was 21 or 20 to 13. You gave them the ball back 2013, and I said to myself, if the Chargers are a real team, they take the ball down and score like New Orleans did against Baltimore right. at the end of the game. New Orleans went right down there. They scored a touchdown. They made it a seven point difference. That's a team. They scored a field goal. That's the team that you have to be. And, and what the Chargers did was they went three and out naturally, and here comes Tennessee down. I thought it was a horrible decision. I think the Chargers were primed to lose that game just like Charger-like. Only thing that happened was I think Mike Rabel gave him one. Yeah, I, I, I tend, to, tend to completely agree with you. Uh, Michael Lombardi joining us. His new book is called Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the National Football League. Philadelphia Eagles lose at home. Hard-fought game. Kind of a mess of a game. It felt like they were on the right track, and then a step back yesterday. They normally don't lose at home. How do they fix things in Philly? 
Well, this is the second loss at home, Doug. So uh, the problem in Philadelphia is real simple, third down. Last year they were very good on third down, especially in the red zone. Last year they were 51% converting the four-point plays, I call them, third down red zone plays. So far this season they've only converted four. They're 21%. They're 31st ranked team in that area. And they only got one first down the entire day in the fourth quarter on third down. So they didn't control the ball in the fourth quarter when they needed to do it. And I think, you know, this is what happens to them. They're not scoring the points they need to. They're not putting teams away like they could last year. Their defensive line is still very effective, but they can't cover in the back end. So people can make plays. And the longer the game goes, look, the Eagles had the ball 36 minutes in that game, and they couldn't put them away in the fourth quarter. And that's what really cost them. They're sloppy at times on offense. Carson Wentz has taken a lot of hits. And then he didn't make very good decisions at the end of the game. He's got a guy wide open in a flat for the first down, doesn't take it, tries to throw an interception in the end zone, doesn't get caught, tries to throw another interception in the end zone, doesn't get caught, and then has two passes that get tipped at the line. So it's a, you know, I think they've got to go back. I think what Doug Peterson said yesterday really is hilarious because he, you know, he's trying to go back to 2017 when he was the guy who's standing in front of his team saying, you know what, fellas? Nobody respects us. Nobody thinks we're any good. We got to play to it. He's the Super Bowl champ. Everybody's coming to get him. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky really struggled in the first half. Did some nice things to lead him on a comeback in the second half. Of course, his his hail mary came up literally a yard short. But but you look at the Bears, and granted, there weren't huge expectations. But anybody who's good, they've lost to, and the bottom teams that they they've uh, that they've beaten. What's your stance on Trubisky now? Watching Pat Mahomes light up the league, a guy that they traded up to get instead of Mahomes. Uh, you know, I think I, you know. I watched that tape. I just finished watching that tape. I, I was not impressed with Mahomes. I was not impressed with Trubisky in that tape at all. Missed a lot of throws. He made plays with his feet. Was bad in the first half. Missed a lot of receivers. Couldn't control the football at all with his arm. Could not control. The second half, he got a lot of yards at the end of the first half on junk yards. The Patriots gave it to him, and then he got a lot of yards when it was thirty-eight. To, when, it, when he was down thirty-eight to twenty-four, and they started moving the ball at that point. The Patriots were really their opponent was the clock, and then of course the hell Mary. But all he did was run around, and I think what you saw, what you've seen from Trubisky so far this year, is exactly why you know he didn't play at North Carolina. He's more of a runner than he is a quarterback. He's not instinctive at the position, and he's not accurate with the football. And I think the Bears defensively got exposed yesterday. Their secondary got attacked. The Patriots moved the ball up and down the field on them. I would be nervous. I think the Bears are a 500 team. I think they'll beat the bad teams. I don't think they'll beat the good teams. The good thing is that they got uh, two of the bad teams upcoming, the Jets and the Bills, and maybe that artificially inflates their record, but I have a tendency to agree with you because you know a ton more about football than I do, frankly. Michael Lombardi. Great stuff, Michael, as always. Again, Thank the, you, Doug. The book is Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties in the NFL. It's on sale now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.